1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for
0: 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back in to a special edition podcast here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, as well as the Acme Packing Co., Podcast Network. We've got a massive Sunday night football game this week between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers, so I am very happy to be joined by the managing editor of AcmePackingCode.com Justice Mosqueda. Justice, it's been a while since we've talked. Uh, how you feeling fresh off of a big Thanksgiving upset against the Detroit Lions?
1: Feeling about as good as you can be while still being a fan of a sub 500 team, right? <laughs> if you want to draw up how to be excited for a sub five hundred team. It looks like this, right? Team playing hot, um, went in three of its last four, beat an eight and two team in their stadium on a prime time or not a prime time game, but nationally televised game. Young quarterback looks good, passing game looks good. This is what it looks like. Feels good. We we were down, but we were not
0: out. Yeah. It's I I've been trying to remind Chiefs fans all week long that you know, I think when the schedule came out, it, there was some intrigue around this Packers team. It's like, oh, like, is Jordan Love going to be good? Are they And they're really young and they've got some players. Like, is this going to be a, a huge game like later in the season that we're overlooking right now? And, you know, based on the record, I feel like Chiefs fans probably aren't following the Packers very closely this season. And they're just like, oh, Chiefs are going to dominate and the Chiefs got can run the table and get this number one seed in the AFC. And... I don't think you should overlook the Packers right now, Chiefs fans. They've won three out of four games. They're playing well right now. And as I mentioned, they're the youngest team in the NFL. Like there was this was a season where there was probably expected to be a lot of growth as the year went on. And it seems like that growth is paying off right now because they are playing really well, despite the fact that they're pretty banged up right now.
1: Yeah, um, you know, to to your point. So if, if you want to give an encapsulation of kind of what the Packers season has looked like so far. It has been very much of a roller coaster. So week one, come out the gates, kick the crap out of the Chicago Bears. Everyone is ready to the night. Um, Jordan Love is the next owner of the Chicago Bears, all that stuff, right? Then stuff starts to slow down very quickly. Aaron Jones is out of the lineup. Um, the Packers can't really get their run game going. There's just so many dumb mistakes on the offensive side of the ball, to your point. Um, probably a little bit because of the youth of that team so you know you get a big first down and then it's almost immediate holding or false start called on like the next play right like stuff like that is happening Um, Jordan Love's completion percentage is way down in terms of the NFL average and that kind of like middle stretch of the season you know in the context of like this is the length to now you know week 13 right Um, but his like epa is super high and that's because the packers are like living and dying off of these feast or famine deep shots jordan love at that point was like leading the league in you know deep pass attempts and it wasn't a very good result but you know obviously those lead to dpis and stuff like that it was a really disjointed offense guys were running the wrong routes constantly i remember i talked to uh Hassan, who runs um norse code who uh you know the the vikings podcast um and when we were previewing that game, I was like, there's going to be 10 times this game where a receiver is running a bad route and the play is just going to be dead immediately. Um, And he was like, what do you mean that do- that does not happen in the NFL? And that's kind of what the Packers were dealing with for, I don't know, two months, you know, a, a month and a half, something like that. And now now, um, you know, the Packers have won three or four, uh, you know, the Kenny Pickett game still stings a little bit. Like you, you should have been able to beat that guy, not throwing deep on you at all, but in general, not, kind of, not Canada in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, just in general, like the passing offense is looking a lot better over the past couple of weeks. I think you look at the last month, um, all the advanced stats will say Jordan loves somewhere around like six ish in the NFL in terms of passing efficiency and stuff like that. Now, obviously, you know, you, watch the tape yourself and you can decide like what he's good or bad at. Um, but in terms of just the overall offense, it's gotten a whole lot better over the past couple of weeks. The Packers are doing a bunch of weird stuff. They're rotating drive-by-drive at two offensive line positions on purpose. I've never seen this happen at the NFL level um, consistently. Like they're rotating their tackles. Every single series, um, or their left, yeah, their left tackles every single series. Sean Ryan is getting some reps at right guard every time he comes in the game. The Packers have like a fifteen play drive and score a touchdown, and then he doesn't come back into the game ever again. It's a it's a weird situation <laughs> with a very young team right now, but they are playing their best ball. They are coming off of extended break, um. To your point about them being banged up, they were out eight preferred starters against the Detroit Lions and still beat that 8-2 and team. And the Lions were relative. I think they were only out Jonah Jackson, one of their interior offensive linemen. Um, So the Lions were relatively healthy. Hopefully the Packers get a little healthier uh, this week. Who knows? Um, The Packers, as we're recording this on a Wednesday, um, have two open 53-man roster spots. The assumption is that they're going to use those roster spots to bring back Darnell Savage and uh, Eric Stokes. Um, Who knows how much they're going to play. It sounded like they kind of wanted Savage to get in the game against Detroit, but he just couldn't go. So I'd probably lean him uh, being more game ready than Stokes at this point. But the Packers have been playing like their third and fourth safeties most of this year. Um, They've been playing a third linebacker, Isaiah McDuffie, a lot of this season because either Coy Walker has gotten hurt or uh, Devondre Campbell's gotten hurt. Um, The running back unit has been a mess. I mean, even today, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are still not practicing with the team on this Wednesday. Uh, they did a bunch of weird stuff last week where they had to poach uh, Patrick Taylor off of the the uh, New England practice squad and then uh, sign James Robinson to the practice squad and then eventually the 53-man roster just so that they covered their bases in case an injured A.J. Dillon ended up re-aggravating that groin injury and they had to play someone off of the bench because they didn't have anyone. Um, they had two guys go down, you know, Emmanuel Wilson and Aaron Jones two weeks ago. So they've been thin there. If there's anything to really worry about in Green Bay, it's probably that running back room right now.
0: Uh, And then they released James Robinson uh, earlier did. this week. Well, and now
1: he's back on the practice squad. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> he's had to bounce around like crazy, Um, like four different transactions this week alone. So good luck so- to him.
0: Uh, so, we, we want to get in this matchup uh, a little bit more and, and kind of preview both sides of this thing to make sure we cover all of our bases on today's show. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the running back injuries. And, and I think that's something that's really impressive uh, about what the Packers have done recently is that, like, their running game has been non existent. Like, Aaron Jones has been hurt for most of the season, A.J. Dillon just even when he is in the lineup, hasn't been particularly effective. And maybe that has something to do with what you were saying with the offensive line rotation and like the lack of answers there for the Packers this year. Uh, But I I think it really speaks a lot to the development of of Jordan love. And I know Christian Watson's a talented young wide receiver. Romeo Dobbs is uh, a talented young wide receiver. Um, you know, Luke Musgrave just went to IR, but he was uh, a top-end rookie that they were really hoping to get a lot out of. I think Tucker Craft is an interesting player who had a touchdown nope. filling in last week, and then uh, Jaden Reed, who has looked like a really talented player. So, like th- this Packers offense, while it- it's still certainly a work in progress, uh, I-, I would have to imagine. Like, is do you- do you think that all of all the the positive trends recently, like? particularly, or just going back to like Jordan loves improvement as the season's gone on.
1: Yeah. And the supporting cast too. Um, again, I can't understate like how sloppy this offense looked like to start the year, right? Like the blown routes, all that stuff. Um, you would see common passing concepts that like high school teams run and they would mess it up. And there's three dudes standing right next to each other. And you're like, what, what the hell happened on that play? That was a third down. And you just let your quarterback, you know, get clobbered. Um, the other guy that I would mention as a guy who uh, can make a difference in this game is Dantavian Wicks. Dontavian Wicks is a guy who's fourth in the pecking order at the wide receiver position. He hasn't really been able to kind of uh, break the structure of that rotation at all. But like he can get 90 uh, yards a game on like 20% of the snaps. Uh, You know, on the offensive side of the ball, if you look at any of the advanced analytics stuff, um, Dentavian Wicks is like easily the Packers best wide receiver, I think Um, Jane Reed is probably number two just in terms of how they've done it this year. And then Watson obviously can can, uh, you know, win that deep ball like he did on the first play of the game last week or he can, you know, lose those catch point attempts, right? So he's a little bit up and down. He's dealt with a hamstring too throughout the season, and I kind of wonder if that's impacted his deep speed, and he's not really a guy who can afford to, to miss that, you know, second gear. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of been his calling card. That's why he got drafted in the second round. Um, that's why he's starting in the NFL and all that. So um, an interesting group of wide receivers. I wonder if they do kind of shake up the lineup a little bit because of, you know, this quote-unquote – Mini buy, like maybe Sean Ryan does get some more opportunities at right guard, and the run blocking is a little better. And maybe you can start feeding, you know, AJ Dillon a little bit more because of that. Maybe in Wicks, um, does start, you know, eating up a couple more snaps, and you start seeing more targets come go his way, and he's able to get open on these guys. Like all this stuff is kind of interesting. Plus, Tucker Craft, we have a really limited sample set on him. Um, but I think it's trending positive. Uh, You know, you mentioned Luke Musgrave was a guy who basically was playing every single down for the Packers as a rookie tight end, which is not normal in the NFL. Um, But that's kind of what he had to do after Tyler Davis went down with an ACL tear in, uh, you know, the summer. That was kind of like going to be their blocking tight end kind of guy. And Musgrave filled in that role. Now they have um, Ben Sims and Musgrave kind of playing. Little hybrid positions. Musgrave is probably going to play the Y, you know, moving forward with uh, Musgrave out with. By the way, do you know what the injury was there? Mm -mm. Lacerated kidney did not leave the game. He didn't realize until that (laughs) night. I'm pretty sure he started peeing blood. And then he was like, Wasn't "Yo, it, I gotta go to the hospital." <laughs>
0: was it was it Jason Witten who had like a lacerated kidney and then just played like a week later, like and, insane? And somehow suited up.
1: <laughs> In, insane stuff. I yeah. NFL players are tougher than you. Remember yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next time you criticize them for uh, not wanting to play through an injury, just remember uh, <laughs> Luke Musgrave, rookie tight end, went back into a game with a lacerated kidney. I. I think just sitting here talking to you about how, how young these guys are and, and the issues and the mistakes and all of that stuff. Like, I think there is a weird parallel here with the chiefs offense this season and, and the Packers and like, you know, the chiefs, obviously their wide receiver room loaded with young players. Now, yeah. whether or not any of those young players are actually legitimately talented is probably up for debate. Um, yeah, they're getting a lot out of their rookie wide receiver Rasheed Rice right now. But you just mentioned the the penalties and the mistakes and the wrong routes and lining up in the wrong spot and things like that. And those are things that we're still seeing on a weekly basis from the Chiefs offense. Like, And I think what what's pr- most frustrating about it is that You know, while the Chiefs' defense is really young and their wide receiver room is really young, they still have veteran presences in that wide receiver room. Whereas, like the Packers, it's just all young players. Like it's all guys that are still trying to find their way in the NFL. And like, I I would totally be on board with Marquez Valdez gantling just going back to Green Bay at this point. Um, (laughs) One of one of nice nice enough guy, but man, is he a really frustrating football player? I'm telling
1: you. We tried telling <laughs> you.
0: Alan Lazard is benched in New York, Randall Cobb is yeah. benched in New York. They don't listen to us. Yeah, it, it's it, it's and I think the frustrating part too like because the Chiefs were we're seeing all of these mistakes and like penalties and stuff, it kind of always goes overlooked for the Chiefs because they've won Super Bowls and because they're always near the top of the league and offensive output and all of that stuff like but they've always got, had a lot of penalties. Like that's always been an issue with Andy Reed. And so that's something that's not really out of the norm. This season, it's probably been more than it, it normally is, but like the wide receiver mistakes are particularly frustrating because they came into the season saying, you know, Kadarius Tony is our wide receiver one. And Marquez Valdez Scantling is that veteran presence that we have in the locker room that we can lean on when we're, when we, Really need a big play downfield. Like MVS is going to be that guy for us because he had uh, you know, a really impactful postseason run last year. Um, and then Justin Watson was another guy that like been around the league. We brought him back on, on a cheap two-year contract because Mahomes really likes him. They they like his work ethic and all of that stuff. But Kadarius Tony can't stay healthy. They've gotten absolutely nothing out of second-round picks, guy more. And Rasheed Rice looks like he is a legitimate player for them. Yeah. But he's still only playing like 60% of the saps every week. And they got him more involved last week, but that was a product of McCall Hardman going to IR. And Kadarius Tony had an ankle injury all week long, was a full participant all week long. Then on Saturday, they were like, oh, he's got a hip injury now, so he's out, which is out last minute. And so it kind of felt like... I, I hope that Rasheed Rice getting more involved was a game plan thing, but I also tend to think that he wound up just playing more and being more involved because Kadarius, Tony and Michael Hartman weren't available. So now I'm like, I don't even believe in this now. Like I don't even believe that <laughs> Rasheed Rice is like on, on the uptick here because at least Hartman's on IR. So it's going to be a little bit before he gets back. But if Kadarius, Tony is like good to go this week, I, I'm afraid we're going to see more a Kadarius, Tony out there where, Rasheed Rice has proven that he's clearly the more effective player. Like, I I just feel like that there is a parallel here with like all of the growing pains that both of these offenses have gone through. And I'm not willing to admit yet that the chiefs like found something against the Raiders. It's the Raiders. Like, I know they're playing better, but I'm not confident that them doing it against the Raiders is going to help them do it against anybody else, especially like a Green Bay Packers team that is playing well right now. Yeah, I live bet that game too. So
1: I was watching it. A little bit at, at the very least they, they were down 14 i, I live bet it. it was still like minus 100 chiefs win, and i was like <laughs> it was I don't and that, care. that 14
0: it. that that should have been a 21 to nothing hole but they decided to kick a field goal on uh, fourth and short in the red zone and missed it so yeah. yeah that was the worst first quarter of football they played all year and then they finally flipped the switch but that they, there's still i think things to be weary about with the chiefs offense at least but i think moving over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, obviously the chiefs defense has been tremendous this year. Uh, I think it's still somehow one of the more underrated units in the NFL, despite the fact that they've been like a top five unit all season long, and they've had a tough schedule and they've done, uh, they've had really big performances against like premier quarterbacks this season. But I think the Packers defense it is really coming along too and and that's uh, without uh jair alexander in the mix and you mentioned like darnell savage has been banged up and they've had a lot of injuries there but i think is it safe to say justice that rashawn gary is like the most underrated pass rusher in the nfl right now like i know he keeps he keeps getting these sacks and bunches like just having these absolutely yeah. monster games and then maybe goes quiet for a little bit but it seems like when he's healthy and when he turns it on, like he is a legitimate stud out there. If they can get him going against the chiefs offensive line.
1: Yeah. Uh, My buddy, Ben Solak, who writes the, for the ringer was asking me who the best, like eight pass rushers in the league were. And he came up with his list and he didn't have Gary on it yesterday. And I harassed him and I'm going to make <laughs> him meet those words. Um, Gary Gary's great. Honestly, like he, he, he can't set an edge which is a big problem in the run game, especially the way the Packers are kind of constructed on defense. Um, but as like a designated pass rusher, he's, you know, he he might not be TJ Watt, uh, Miles Garrett, but he's right after them, right? Um, it's going to be interesting because, you know, you talk about this matchup of defenses. I mean, they're so different, right? Like the, the offenses, I feel like, are, are have common issues, like you've already mentioned, right? But the defense is so different. Spax is going to blitz you from all sorts of crazy angles. The nickel corner is going to come, right, all that stuff. And Joe Barry, for the most part, is going to keep an umbrella on top of the defense. One of the reasons why the Packers' pass defense has ranked so well, even without missing, you know, you trade Russell. Jerry Alexander is hurt. Um, you're starting guys like Corey Ballantyne, who Corey Ballantyne was a practice squad call-up, right? Like he's been around the team for two, three years, and he's been on the practice squad. Um, he, he's coming in and starting games, and it, they're still not getting torched. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they're playing, you know, these deep umbrella coverages. You're going to get cover four and you're going to get cover three for the most part. Um, outside of you know, maybe they blitz a guy and uh, you know, they're going to play a little bit of cover one or something like that, but they're going to make sure that you don't get that deep shot and they're going to bet that you can't go 15 plays on that defensive line. And that's kind of where the game is won. Um, you know, to your point, like when Gary looks good, right they win those games. And when you're like Gary and, you know, Kenny Clark haven't really done anything this game. That's when they end up losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers and stuff. And, you know, the Steelers rack up 200 rushing yards on them just by running inside run. Cause they're trying to make, uh, they're, they're trying to score on 15 play drives, right? That's kind of the mentality of this Packers defense. Now, maybe that changes a little bit if, you know, the safeties are healthy again and Alexander's healthy again. And, you know, uh, Quay and Devondre are starting at inside linebacker. Um, we'll have to see what that ends up looking like, but I I, I think um, one of the big things people are going to highlight for this entire game, and you know the the it might not have been as impactful for like Chiefs fans, but that that Jordan Love first start against Kansas City a couple years ago is kind of like burned into the eyes of Packers fans in terms of like the blitz and stuff like that. And it was an early narrative against Love uh, this season when they weren't connecting on those deep shots, right? Like that Kansas City game, that's all it was, right? It was Spags, is blitzing, Love, yeah. you need it well, our answers. We're going to complete one deep. And that deep one just never came. And Love didn't look half decent until that fourth quarter when they started RPOing the hell out of them. Um, so I wonder what their game plan is going to be this game. I know Matt LaFleur has said, you know almost immediately after that game up until now he said over and over again like that was a bad game plan for love in that situation because if you guys don't remember the reason why love was starting that game is because Aaron Rodgers had COVID right so they didn't know until Wednesday of that week who you know that they were going to switch quarterbacks for that game and they just didn't change the game plan and that seems to be something that Lafleur genuinely uh regrets and he brings that up pretty constantly so I'm Wondering how that changes. Is there going to be a more RPO based team? That's not really something that they've done this year. They've gotten away from the screen game, the RPO game, those now throws that you would always see, you know, Aaron Rodgers under center, it's a run play. And he just dumps it off to uh, Devontae Adams, you know, isolated against an off corner. Like they don't really do that stuff that much with Jordan Love. So I'm interested in seeing kind of what they cook up this week.
0: I think, I think this flew under the radar a little bit because the chiefs wound up dominating the rest of the game against the Raiders in a 31 to 17 win. But I actually thought the Raiders game plan in the first quarter of, of last week's contest was great. Like I, I felt like it was like exactly how you attack the chiefs defense. Cause you know, Spags is going to dial up the blitzes and you know that right. first appearance from Jordan Love like I kind of felt bad for him because Spags was just like yeah I'm just going to blitz you on every play because I don't believe you can do anything about it and yep. that's exactly what he did and we've seen him this year like when you when you look at the like all the pass rush metrics and stuff like that like the Chiefs defensive line has been great Chris Jones has still been great and you know George Karloftis and, and Mike Dana and the, the whole cast has been really good But they're still not like, you know, where the Ravens are, where the Browns are, Mm -hmm. like in terms of just straight up like pass rush win rate. And part of that is because Spags is just like, well, we're going to get pressure from everywhere. We're going to, we're going to dial up these corner blitzes. We're going to send McDuffie. We're going to send Snead. I'm going to dial up a safety blitz every now and then like, and he's been doing that really aggressively this year in in part because their secondary has been really good and they've got two really great players there, but. What the Raiders did early in that game was, everything is quick. Everything is quick. If you're going to blitz the hell out of us, your blitz is just going to go blow right past everything because the ball's going to be gone already. And it was super effective. And, and Aiden O'Connell was actually like looking good and like putting the ball where it needed to be and getting it out really quick. And then there was just quick handoffs to Josh Jacobs and he's ripping off runs and. I think that's kind of a, a blueprint for how you can attack them because you know Spags, no matter what, is going to be aggressive. Like he, he's going to yeah. come out of the gates doing that. And I, I just think uh, against the Raiders, there's kind of a ceiling to that because it's Aiden O'Connell, because it's the Raiders, and you know the Packers are are still finding their way, but they're a talented team. And I think Matt LaFleur is a talented play caller who could see something like that and say like this is a way to attack the Chiefs defense because they were super successful doing that in, in the first quarter against the chiefs last week. And this team also tends to kind of sleepwalk out of the gate. So like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again, even on Sunday night football against the Packers team, just because the chiefs tend to overlook teams sometimes.
1: Yeah. And one thing the Packers do that is kind of similar, um, they get into blitz fronts that aren't really blitz fronts. So they play, it's kind of uh you probably, you guys probably see it with the chargers. Um, they play a lot of Penny, which is like on the defensive line, right up on the line of scrimmage. It looks like a 3-4 defense, but you only have one inside linebacker instead of two. So you're replacing one of those inside backers with the slot corner instead of one of the interior defensive linemen. So you're jamming up the front on the interior to dissuade inside zone, um, but you're also still playing a, a nickel on the field and the Packers have had a lot of struggles with that because you're basically in blitz coverage at that point, right, Um, with five guys walked up on the line unless you're dropping a Preston Smith or something like that. They've ran into some issues with that against both, um, you know, the lines last week, they'll get into empty out of, like, a base uh, personnel set, right? They'll go two tight ends and a running back and then just spread them out, and that puts you in a position where that inside linebacker basically has to cover the entire middle of the field. They had that same issue against the Raiders, so I do wonder – um, If both of these teams try to get heavy, but spread it out against the opposing defense so that they can kind of take advantage of just the quick stuff, right? Just get the ball out of your hand. Hey, let's go take six yards and call it a day. Everything doesn't have to be a Hail Mary. You know what I mean? Um, Because I think the Packers, again, last time around, they try to eat it all up in, in one bite and it just didn't work.
0: I am interested to see this week, too. You talked about the defense's uh, struggles against the run and, like, particularly that Pittsburgh Steelers game where they just gave up tons of yards on the ground. Um, I think the most frustrating part about Andy Reid sometimes, especially when the offense and the passing game just isn't working, is that he won't lean into the run. And I I think Isaiah Pacheco is a talented player who has shown, like, oh, when you give him the ball, he can make things happen. Or when you use him in the passing game, like he's effective enough there that like he can make big plays. And they did it against the Raiders, but I think it was partially because Jerick McKinnon was out in that game. Now, Jerick McKinnon's not practicing so far this week. So we'll see if he winds up being up for this. He's dealing with a groin injury right now. So it could be more Pacheco, but it it seems like the way you can kind of win against this Packers defense is on the ground. And so I... Like, it it would be very uncharacteristic for the Chiefs to just say, we're going to give Isaiah Pacheco 20 touches. But, like, last week, that helped them get back into the game because they were down 14 to nothing, should have been down 21 to nothing. And then they finally leaned into Isaiah Pacheco, and that opened things up downfield. And it's like, that seems like a good, strong game plan. Like, get Pacheco involved, helps free up Kelsey, helps free up Rice. That should be your offense moving forward. But it's not, it's it's been very rarely what Andy Reid will actually commit to this season
1: yeah I mean inside run particularly is where the Packers struggle because the edges again um you know Gary's not a great edge setter but when you're playing with two high safeties those guys can can get into the run fit and play the alleys and stuff like that right um the inside run is where it's like you know outside of Kenny Clark, you know, that spine of the defense isn't very strong, especially if you have a backup inside backer and two backup safeties playing, right? Um, yeah, that's definitely where uh, they, they've they gotten hurt this year. You, you spoke about Kelsey, um, and I can't believe we haven't talked about him yet, but I do think one of the things that breaks in the Packers' favor, and I guess I'll have to, like, eat my hat if he goes for 150 yards or something like that, but because the Packers aren't going to play a whole lot of tight match coverage or man coverage, you're not gonna get the matchups that you really want with Kelsey on the outside, right? Um you're not gonna get that inside linebacker walking over or that safety walking over. The Packers for the most part, if you split a running back or a fullback out on the sideline, the cornerback's gonna line up over him because he's playing a deep zone no matter what. So he's not even taking that guy vertical, right? Or he's not taking that guy shallow anyway. Um, so that's something that I think would be interesting to watch there. So that's one where I'm like, I'm not that worried about Kelsey. If you look at the wide receivers that have eaten up the Packers, no one's really won on the outside. Like Keenan Allen got a bunch of co- targets because he had no one else on the team from like the slot and stuff like that. There were a couple big plays from the tight ends in, in line positions against from, from uh, the chargers, but like no number one wide receiver is like, gone off gone off against the Packers and you know that's kind of how you guys play Kelsey so
0: yeah and and you know, Keenan Allen at this point for the Chargers is just getting like 20 targets a week like they So have anybody they've they
1: benched Quentin Johnson and I completely understand it man Quentin yeah. Johnson could have won the Chargers that game by the way as much as we're uh-huh. talking about three you know three of the last four for the Packers like Quentin Johnson could have made that two and two so
0: yeah uh there, there was a lot of noise around the chiefs really wanting Quentin Johnson. Um, and they didn't get him. Obviously I still don't they,
1: know what he can do. Like I watched him in yeah. college and I'm like, so he's a good screen guy. Yeah. And the big 12.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, it's been rough. Um, as I've mentioned before, I think on the SB nation NFL show, never draft TCU wide receivers. Um, just doesn't seem to work out for them. Uh, But the Chiefs got Rashid Rice, and he looks like a solid playmaker for them. So hopefully it worked out in the long run for the Kansas City Chiefs. But, uh, Justice, before we get out of here, what do you think? uh, You mentioned that that Kelsey matchup, but outside of that, what do you think is the biggest thing for the Packers to try to pull off a huge upset on Sunday night?
1: Pressure, pressure, pressure. Can you win against those tackles? Can you? I, I know... You know, Mahomes is one of those guys, obviously, right? Like, he's the face of the league, all that stuff. Like, he's going to be able to break the pocket, make plays out of structure, all that stuff. But you got to be able to bring him down a couple times, right? And personally, from what I've seen, I don't know how you guys are reacting to it. Um, I don't think those tackles have been playing as good as they've been paid, basically, at this point. Um, I think that's a little bit of weakness of their team. And this whole defensive structure is built off of, you know, we don't believe that you can stay on pace for 15 plays, right? So yeah. if we get a sack, that could be a drive killer, right? So that that's how you get teams off of the field. Because, you know, how you how you draw it up, a team should be able to walk down the field. Now, you have to win those individual matchups. And that's when a Rashawn Gary, uh, uh, Kenny Clark, even Preston Smith, who's been doing um, a little bit better than people realize as of lately, um, become a big deal. And then there's also this guy, Carl Brooks. Who had like a ninety something grade from PFF uh, against the Lions? Uh, I think it was the highest graded interior defensive lineman rookie uh, this season. You know, from that game, he he's making a difference for them, and he's the third guy off or fourth guy off of the bench actually, um, because uh, Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton are, are uh, you know, the quote-unquote starters next to Ken Clark. But he plays a lot of snaps because they really only use four interior guys, and they play a 3-4 base, and they play all that penny and stuff like that. So those four guys just being able to get any sort of pressure on Patrick Mahomes and being able to get him down a couple times in the game is going to be the difference, I think.
0: I believe Carl Brooks was a draft darling from the Arrowhead pride, uh, draft team this off season. So, uh, so nice, nice to hear that he's making an impact for the green bay Packers. Well, I
1: really like Rasheed rice. So yeah, we'll
0: call it even, <laughs> um, I, I think you're, you're totally right. Uh, the tackles, I think it's been flying under the radar a little bit because Patrick Mahomes is so good at avoiding sacks. Um, yeah. They have not been great recently. Uh the Chiefs' strength on the offensive line is absolutely the interior and not the edges. And specifically, Donovan Smith has been struggling a lot. Yeah. Uh their left tackle. And so that's definitely a matchup to watch this weekend. Uh Wanye Morris came in for a couple snaps for him when he got hurt last week. And he actually looked really good in uh limited snaps, but uh he's not gonna be the starter anytime soon, barring some kind of catastrophic injury. So it is Donovan Smith. It is Jawan Taylor. Uh, see how they hold up against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. But uh, you can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U- J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Sir. It's where you can find me. Uh, Justice, uh, I hope we get a good football game on Sunday night.
1: Yeah, I'm just hoping. Entertaining and quick. That's all I need. Everyone <laughs> stay healthy, entertaining, and quick. How many? You have the uh, over-under on Taylor Swift. Uh, you
0: know,
1: uh, face face shows. Is, is she going to make it
0: to Green Bay? I don't know. Um, I haven't been following that as closely uh, recently because she's like been out of the country or whatever on her uh, on her like worldwide tour. Uh, I did think I saw recently that she might that she's like on a break now for a little bit here. So maybe she is going to pop up at some games, but I haven't been uh, keeping this many tabs on the T-Swift Travis Kelsey stuff.
1: I, I've uh, there are a couple of Packers beat writers who are already talking about. Uh, trying to angle themselves in the stadium so that they can, they that she can walk by them and they can pretend they bump into her, <laughs> you know, so, by total happenstance.
0: I, I will say um, I have a friend who is a season ticket member for the Kansas city chiefs. And he has complained multiple times because I guess where his seats are, are right in front of the box where Taylor Swift normally is. And he has complained multiple times about the insane amounts of security that are around her <laughs> at all times and the way they've beefed up security around Arrowhead Stadium. So it might be tough, but uh, if you can make it happen, I, I highly encourage you to do so. Well, ho- hopefully we get a fun game uh, on Sunday night, and uh, but uh, we'll talk to you soon.